Hi guys, my name is Lisa M. Waring and this is Real Talk, a podcast where I discuss movies and TV more extensively and how art imitates life, imitates art. I'm twitching things up today with a psychological horror thriller, a Netflix movie called Run Rabbit Run, which is about a single mother who is getting more and more concerned about her daughter and her daughter's claims about her past. Spoilers ahead. Let's get into it. The movie was filmed in Australia, down under. Okay, that's, I'm such an American, no. The movie was filmed in uh, South Australia and near Melbourne, Victoria, which I found interesting. And the landscapes in this movie are beautiful, but eerie. Perfect setting, I think. It starts with the eerie, ominous music. You know it has to. You know it has to. We see a woman lying on like a patch of land in the middle of like a large body of water. And then we get shots of like a, a cabinet and children's feet running. We're definitely in for it. We see the same woman wake up in her bed and get up. This is Sarah. She grabs a present and she goes into her daughter Mia's room and starts singing Happy Birthday. Ah! It's Mia's birthday. Yay! Sarah and Mia are in the kitchen having breakfast and we see on the refrigerator a funeral program in loving memory of Albert. Um, it's an older gentleman and we realize this is basically Sarah's dad. And he has recently passed. So they're grieving the loss of her father and Mia's grandfather. Sarah drops Mia off to school and then her phone rings. And we see on the caller ID it says wearing aged facility or aged care. Sarah ignores it and she goes about her business. She goes to work where she is doing an ultrasound for a pregnant patient. She's, uh, I think, I believe a fertility doctor. We jump to Sarah and Mia driving in the car and Mia asks her if Joan is coming to her birthday party. Sarah's like, no. And Mia goes, oh, well, I miss her. Sarah's like, well, you can't really miss somebody you never met. Mia goes, I miss people I haven't met all the time, which for a seven-year-old is pretty, I don't like it. It's spooky. I think the setting of the movie makes it spooky. In any other genre, it would be more endearing. It'd be thoughtful. It would be like, oh, you know, she has a caring heart. But in this movie, it's a red flag. They arrive home to find that the garage door is open and you see a bunch of boxes in the middle of the garage. I mean, Sarah has no sense of alarm. I'm concerned. How did this get, did she leave it open? And if you left it open, who else got in? I digress. Sarah gets out, goes inside, closes the garage door, grabs the mail. Meanwhile, Mia finds a white rabbit at their doorstep and instantly wants to keep it. Sarah lets her, although she is not happy about it, and I can't blame her. I mean, all I'm thinking about is great. Another thing to take care of. Pets are cool, but I think when you have a child and a pet, you basically have two children. Who's taking care of that animal? Not the kid. So I understand Sarah's hesitation. And Mia's like, no, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to name it Rabbit. Okay, she's going to name the bunny Rabbit. Gotta love kids. Mia's dad, Pete, arrives. He has like a little toddler with him. And we find out that this is his girlfriend's son. So him and Sarah are not together. I gotta be honest, this is one of the more saddest parties I've seen on screen. 
It's just Mia and the little toddler playing in the yard. The weather is clammy and windy and cloudy. There's no other kids. Does this baby not have any friends? Pete asks her, how's she been? How are things going? He notices the boxes in the garage. Is she okay? You know, considering that she just lost her father. And, you know, Sarah brushes it off. She's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. You don't need to worry about me. And it doesn't really specify what divulged with their relationship, how the divorce happened. But they do seem to have a good co-parent situation. Would be great if more people could adopt this. There doesn't really seem to be a lot of animosity or, you know, between the two of them. So that's good. I applaud that deeply. So Pete and Sarah, they're sitting around the table waiting for Pete's girlfriend, Denise, to get there so they can cut the cake. And while they wait, Pete tells Sarah that him and Denise are trying for a baby. And Sarah's response. I thought we agreed Mia was going to be an only child. Excuse me? (laughs) What? control much and pete says i never agreed to that thank you pete how do i say this you cannot control somebody's desire to procreate even if you guys agreed when you were together what it would be (laughs) denise shows up the three of them hear mia screaming they run to the room and find that the you know the little boy you know denise's son he's taken i guess some kind of like hardened wooden toy and hit Mia with it. Sarah reacts initially like you would react. Grabs Mia to protect her. She's looking at him. Now she kind of did call him a little shit. I don't recommend. I don't (laughs) think that's the way to go. She tells him not to hit and he takes the toy and hits her and she goes, no, don't hit. Very forcefully. Now, mind you, she doesn't put her hands on the little boy or anything other than maybe cursing at him. And Pete and Denise, like, look at her like, Sarah, what? What you mean, Sarah? Get your kid or I'm going to get your kid. I'm kind of with Sarah on this. I wouldn't like cuss a little three-year-old. They're a toddler. But you were standing around. You literally watched him hit me and you don't say anything. He is of the age of learning. And it would be better for him to come from his mother to say, stop. (laughs) I'm just saying. I keep referring to Denise as... Pete's girlfriend, but she could be his wife. They could be married. I wasn't paying attention to their hands to see if there were rings. So if I'm wrong, my bad. Later that night after the party's over, I don't even know if you'd call that a party. That was more of a gathering. I mean, it was just like, what, the five of them? Now they're gone. Mia's in bed. Sarah grabs some cigarettes, goes in the backyard. She starts smoking and we see her pull out a birthday card that was addressed to Mia. In it, it says, love, Grandma Joan. So this Joan that Mia has mentioned before, this is Sarah's mother. And Sarah lights the card on fire and turns it to ash. Okay. Sensing some uh, tension in this relationship. After that, Sarah turns and she sees a little white rabbit uh, just hopping around in the backyard. And she picks it up and tries to put it over to the other side to get rid of it. Again, who's going to clean up after this animal? But the rabbit jerks, bites her. Bad bite. Vicious bite on her on her finger and runs back into the yard. She turns around and she sees Mia standing outside her bedroom on the second level, looking down, watching her do this. Movie also has a lot of jump cuts, so just stay with me. Sarah wakes up the next morning to see Mia standing over her with a creepy homemade pink 
bunny rabbit mask over her face? No. Sarah takes me into school and she's still wearing the creepy bunny mask. She says, I love you, bunny. And she tries to give her a hug and Mia just walks away. Maybe she's kind of still mad that you tried to get rid of the rabbit. Sarah's phone starts ringing. She, she looks at it, ignores it, and keeps walking. Based on her previous interaction with her phone and who was calling, pretty sure it was the Wearing Aged Care facility. Next thing we know, Sarah is sitting in her office listening to a voicemail. And it's from this facility. And they're talking about the care of her mother, Joan, and how they need to meet with her in person about what's going on. While Sarah is listening to this, she removes the bandage that she had put over the rabbit bite. She squeezed it a little bit and you see this little pus in there. I did not need to see that. Put the bandage back on, Sarah. Thank you. Does the rabbit have rabies or something? Can rabbits get rabies? Either way, see a doctor, ma'am. See a doctor. Sarah is late picking up Mia and she's basically the last kid there. They tell her, oh, she's outside. She goes outside, can't find her. She's looking around and then she sees her inside of like a little play like a like a, I don't know, like a pipe and she's like and wearing the mask inside the pipe hyperventilating and then we cut jump cuts jump cut to later and sarah and me are back at home sarah is giving me a bath and she's asking her you know is anybody bothering you or are you being bullied is everything okay at school and mia's like yeah everything's good and then mia says i miss my mommy and Sarah says, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Knowing what I know from this movie, I wonder if that sentence means something different now. Sarah's phone rings in the next room. She leaves Mia to go grab it. And she sees that it's the wearing aged facility or aged care. She ignores the phone call. Turns around and Mia is standing there with the creepy bunny mask on again. I know her daughter created it, but maybe that's what she should have burned instead of the card. I just, I don't know. Sarah and Mia are sitting at the table. Mia is drawing pictures. She's saying that she needs actual photos of their family, including Joan. Considering that Joan is her grandmother and she refers to her by her first name and she tells her that she misses her. She's never met her. Tells you about all you need to know about this relationship. Sarah sends Mia to bed. And decides to go through her father's things to see, you know, what she can find. And she pulls out a photo album. Sarah tells Mia she doesn't have any pictures of Joan. Mind you guys, Joan is her mother. So, noted. And Mia says, well, how about we check Grandpa's things in the garage? And all those boxes we saw. Sarah says, maybe later. She sends Mia to bed. And then Sarah goes into the garage and starts going through her father's things herself. Behind her, we see the door creak open. Sarah doesn't notice. And there is a girl standing behind her in the doorway. And we can barely make her out. But it's, it's pretty obvious that it's not Mia. Sarah comes across her dad's wallet. She looks in it and finds an old picture of two young girls. Then a hand reaches out and grabs the wallet. And okay, jump scare. First jump scare. Okay. I see you. Turns out it's Mia. Oh, it's mine. I was looking for it. Sarah grabs it back. It's not yours. Go to bed. No, it's me. That's me in the picture. It's like, no, this picture was taken before you were born. Relax. Let's go to bed. And when she tucks Mia in bed, she knows that there is a 
bruise on Mia's forehead. How did you get this? Something happening at school. Mia says, no, I just want to see Joan. The amount of times that Joan's name is said in this movie is like probably 100. Sarah's like, no, Joan isn't doing well. But Mia doesn't care. She keeps saying it over and over and over again. And Sarah just walks away. Sometimes you just got to walk away. We jump cut to the next day. I swear, guys, this movie has so many cuts. Sarah's driving. Mia's in the car wearing the creepy rabbit mask. And then a bird flies into the windshield and startles Sarah. She pulls to the side, starts looking for the bird, looking for the bird. Mia gets out the car. Did you see it? Do you see the bird? No, no, there was no bird. Was there a bird? I don't know because they can't find it. Could this just be foreshadowing of what's to come? They get in the car, continue driving, and they pull up to their destination. When Mia removes the mask, her nose is bleeding. Sarah wipes it up and they go inside. Turns out the destination is the facility where Joan is being cared for. Sarah sits down and meets with one of the facility staff members. And we find out even more so how estranged this relationship is. Apparently, Sarah didn't even know that her father had put her mother in this facility until after he died. Sarah doesn't even want to be bothered with the details of her mother's care. But then the staff member tells her, no, 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 no. Your mother has been diagnosed with dementia. You have her attention. They go in to the room, they visit Joan, and immediately Joan doesn't recognize Sarah and then starts calling Mia Alice. Mia says, I'm here now, don't be sad. Joan is holding her and she's saying, you belong to me. Sarah is not okay with this. Sarah's like, okay, th this visit ends now. And she starts trying to pull Mia away. Joan starts getting riled up. Mia's getting riled up. Mia doesn't want to leave Joan. Joan doesn't want Mia to leave. Staff members, they come and they start trying to hold on to Joan, getting her calmed down. Sarah manages to pull her out of there. She drags her out of there and takes her back to the car. She's struggling to put her in. Mia is fighting her. I want to be with her. I want to be with Joan. I want to be here. In her haste, to get Mia strapped and get Mia in there, she closes the door on Mia's hand. Yikes. Sarah's apologizing profusely. They, you know, they get home, she pulls up, she's trying to talk to Mia. Mia literally just walks out the door and closes it. I know I'm a different generation, however, that is not something that would have flown in my house. Even if my mother had accidentally shut the fingers, my fingers in the door, I would not be able to just walk away and ignore her like she doesn't exist. If you got it, you got it, Mia. Okay. When Mia goes into the house, Sarah gets out of the car and she puts her hand in the door and she slams it on her own hand. I can kind of see the frustration, the guilt of accidentally hurting your child. I guess wanting to somewhat inflict that pain on yourself to kind of punish yourself for what you did, I guess. Jump cut to the next day and Sarah is at a parent-teacher conference and the teacher is telling her, you know, is everything okay at home? Is Mia adjusting to the loss of her grandfather? Sarah's like, yeah, what's the problem? She's fine, we're fine. Teacher says, mm, don't think so. And she pulls out a bunch of Mia's homework and says she's been drawing these things on the back of it. She turns it over and it's a bunch of pictures drawn on crayon of like a black box a girl inside the box with like a little rabbit. It's a little creepy. And the teacher recommends that maybe Mia sees some professional help. Teacher might not be all the way off on this one. 
Sarah takes Mia to a beach, like a little shore. She's talking to her and she's asking her, you know, how, you know, what's going on? What's, what's happening? Talk to me, Mia. Mia says, I don't feel like myself. And she tells Sarah to call her Alice. And then she just walks away. Okay. The name Alice visibly disturbs Sarah. And for good reason. And we find out why later. We'll get there, guys. It's nighttime. Sarah's reading a bedtime story to Mia. And as she turns the page, she sees a black box drawn in crayon on the pages, similar to the one on Mia's homework. Sarah tells her, this is a library book. You don't draw on this. Mia says, well, I didn't draw on this. Mia goes, I want to see Joan. I want to go back to Joan. Sarah sends her to bed. She's not about this foolishness. Turns off the light. And then we hear in the dark, you're not my mommy. I want to go home. It is both creepy and disrespectful. Mm, I don't like it. I think the teacher was onto something. Sarah goes into the kitchen. And she looks at all of Mia's drawings on the refrigerator and she takes them down. All of them have drawings of the black box. All of them. Might want to make that phone call, Sarah. Just saying. Instead, she calls Pete, Mia's dad, but he's out. And Denise answers the phone. Says, oh, you can talk to me. I understand how things have been difficult in your past with your sister. Sarah's like, uh, yeah, it's difficult. It hangs up the phone, basically. I'm paraphrasing. Sarah goes into the garage. She goes through her father's things. And she actually climbs into one of the boxes. She just says, you're a good girl. You're a good girl. Like she's convincing herself. Then she hears thumping and footsteps. Because, again, we are in a psychological horror thriller, just to remind you. She gets up. She looks around the sound. Sees nothing, but behind her we see that haunting silhouette of a girl in the shadows. Who's not Mia. Sarah turns around, shadow's gone. The next day, we see the little bunny rabbit just hopping around in that hallway. Who's taking care of this rabbit? Because I haven't seen Mia lift one finger to tend to this rabbit. Sarah's on the phone, getting on Pete, ragging on him for talking about her past, her business to Denise. You know, Pete's like, well, Denise is a social worker. She she deals with trauma and families. She knows how to handle this. Sarah is not having it, doesn't care. Don't talk about my business. Sarah takes Mia and the bunny for a drive. And they end up at Sarah's old house where she grew up. They walk in and there are pictures all along the walls. And it's the same two girls from the uh, picture we saw in the, in the father's wallet. We're starting to put two to two together, guys. Alice is or was Sarah's sister. Mia is running all through the house, wanting to look at everything, and she ends up in a room. Sarah chases after her and finds her in the same room, and it's like a little girl's room. Mia points to a picture and says, that's me in the picture. Sarah kind of goes ballistic, like, no, it's not you. Let's get out of here. I don't want you in this room. Mia is, like, fighting with her to be in this room, and she's fighting with her to come out of this room. I know we're in a psychological horror thriller. But it still feels like there's a bit too much protesting going on between this mother-daughter situation right here. This child has way more agency than I thought the child, a child of seven would have. Sarah ends up literally dragging her out of that room on the floor. Drags her out of there. Telling her she doesn't want her in there. And Mia says, you're a terrible person. Mia might have a case here. So that night, they're still in the house. They're sitting at the table. Now, mind you, this house is lived in. Like, there's furniture, everything. So this is probably where the Mia's grandfather, Sarah's father, was living before he died. So Sarah and Mia are sitting at the table, and Mia's drawing. 
Mia says, why did you leave this house? Sarah tells her, I don't want to talk about it. It makes me sad. Mia says, call me Alice. And Sarah's like, okay, we're going to have to like really end this and put a pin in it. And she tells Mia that she used to have a sister named Alice. When she was seven, she went missing. Mia's like, I'm seven. I'm Alice. I'm your sister. I came back. That's normal, right, guys? Not creepy at all? And then Mia runs into the bedroom. Sarah chases after her, pulls her off the covers, and finds that Mia is bleeding from her nose. Sarah cleans her up, puts her to bed, and goes into the kitchen at the table and starts cleaning up. She notices that her hands are dripping in blood out of nowhere. She looks again, and her hands are regular. We are starting to slide between what's real and what's not. The next day, Sarah and Mia go to visit Joan, her grandmother, again. But this time, Joan is lucid. She remembers Sarah, and she talks to her, and she talks to Mia, and she says, oh, I've been wanting to meet you, Mia. And Mia goes, no, I'm Alice. You called me Alice. I'm Alice, and starts freaking out. Joan is confused, rightfully so. Sarah pulls Mia out of there takes her to like a stone tower and has a, a, a plaque in memory of Alice. And she lets Mia see it. Kind of trying to drive the point home for Mia. You're not Alice. Alice is gone. I can't believe I skipped over this part. But when Mia was reacting about not being called Alice, Mia turned and punched her mother in the face. It looked like a punch to me. Are we fighting now? All right. All right. Don't start nothing you can't finish, Mia. I'm just being honest. Sarah takes Mia back to the house and they're on the porch and Sarah's talking to Mia about what Alice was like when she was little. How she would find animals, take care of them. Um, she played games and Mia asked if she liked playing hide and seek. And Sarah's like, yeah. And then the lights flicker and Mia's voice gets all aggressive and she's like, I don't like playing hide and seek. You make me hide and hide and hide and hide. And she runs into the house. This child is always running away. This child gets the last word and runs away. Maybe I'm just petty, but you're not going to get the last word on me. I'm just not going to let that happen. Tara follows me into the house where she goes, you know, Mia's locked herself into the room and she's knocking on the door. And then Mia slips a picture underneath the door. Sarah looks at it. It's the same picture of her and when now that we know of her and her sister when they were little, except Sarah's face has been scratched out. You might want to make that call. And Sarah does make a call. She calls Pete. Mia's dad leaves him a voicemail telling him how Mia is pretending to be Alice, her dead sister, and it's freaking her out. Rightfully so. Then we get a jump scare of hands coming and covering Sarah's eyes saying, guess who? Turn around. Nobody there. Turn back around. Woo! Mia's standing right there. What is this kid floating to rooms? Jeez. Sarah puts Mia to sleep back in bed. Why are they still in this house? Had to get that out. Sarah moves all the pictures in the hallway, tosses them in a box, and takes them to the shed. While in the shed, she hears a door creak and decides to check it out. Never do that. Sarah walks off screen. We don't see what happens, but we hear a whisper, guess who? And Sarah, like, gasps. And then we cut to the next day. This movie and its jump cut. The next day, Sarah is fully dressed, 
Um, she grabs her keys and she walks out the door. And we see that she has left Mia sleeping in bed. And in the far corner, we see a shadow silhouette of a girl who is not Mia. Sarah goes to visit Joan, tells her mother, we're going to sell the house. Dad wanted me to do it. We're going to sell the house. Joan's like, no, I'm going to come back. I'm returning to my house. That's your sister's house. She might come back. Sarah freaks out. Well, okay, Sarah doesn't really freak out, but she responds very passionately. Alice is not coming back. What do you think she's going to walk through the door? She's not coming back. And Joan reaches out with that senior citizen strength and grasps Sarah's arm, almost twisting it. And she says, I can't stand the sight of you. I never should have left her with you. Sarah like wrangles out of her grasp and runs out of there. I think I'm beginning to see why this relationship is so strained. So Sarah gets back home and she notices that Mia's not in her bed. And the pictures that she removed last night from the shed have all been put back up and hung up. Spooky. So she's running around the property. Now, here's one thing about this property. It's like a house in a rural area. It's surrounded by bush. Um, their backyard ends at a cliff that leads into water. Scary possibilities when you don't know where your daughter is. And she's running and running around, around. Mia comes up standing behind her. And she tells her, what are you doing? Don't ever do that again. And Mia's like, I woke up and you were gone. Touche, Mia. Your mama should never have left your seven-year-old self asleep in bed. Not even a note. Nothing. Just gone. Sarah tells her, make sure you pack your things. We are definitely going to be leaving. Finally. Except they don't leave. <laughs> Mia's sleeping in bed. Sarah's sleeping too. And then... A dream sequence happens and we see Sarah walking through the field in the backyard. She turns around and her father is standing there asking her, where's Alice? Sarah wakes up to Mia screaming and thrashing in the next room. She goes and checks on her and she notices that she's got like a big gash on her forehead and blood is dripping down. She's like, what's happening? What's happening? What's going on? What happened? Mia's like kind of like, no, you know, like kind of fighting her. Like, don't, you know, don't touch me. Sarah goes to get a pair of scissors because she needs to cut Mia's hair to see the gash better. That goes about as well as you think it went. She's trying to cut the hair. Mia's like struggling against her. And she ends up just cutting Mia on her arm a bunch of times and realized that the gash isn't what she thought it was. And the blood is not even dripping down Mia's face like it was. Okay, mom, are we seeing things that are not really there? Have we been seeing things that are not really there? Inquiring minds want to know. Sarah wakes up the next day and hears the shed door slamming repeatedly, op opening and closing, opening and closing. But she goes out and she investigates. Inside the shed, she sees a cabinet and whimpering coming from the cabinet. She goes to the cabinet, opens the door, and Alice jumps out at her. And attacks her, her seven-year-old sister. And starts choking her, saying she left her in there. Sarah reaches for the nearest thing, which happens to be a rabbit trap, and hits Alice in the head to get her off of her. She turns around. Alice is gone. But standing in the doorway is Mia. Sarah gets up and starts running after Mia, except she's saying, Alice, Alice, I'm sorry, Alice. Mia runs all the way back into the house where we see the hallway of all the pictures, family pictures, all on the floor, broken destroyed Mia runs into the room locks the door behind her and Sarah chases after her trying to get in the door trying to get in the door then we slide back into a dream sequence where Sarah is chasing Alice into the field it, it's going from adult Sarah to child Sarah 
chasing Alice. And then Alice stops at the edge of the cliff and turns around. And you, we see that she has, is bleeding from her nose, bleeding from a gash on her forehead. Similar injuries to what Sarah kept seeing happening with Mia. Connections are happening. Alice opened her mouth and starts screaming. Both young Sarah and adult Sarah pushes her sister off the cliff. We finally know what happened to Alice. Sarah basically killed her own sister. We cut from the dream sequence to the current where Sarah is laying on the floor in the hallway outside the door, drawing a big black box with crayon. This whole time, it has been Sarah drawing these images on the back of Mia's work, not Mia. Suddenly, Pete, Mia's dad, is knocking on the door because he heard the voicemail. She lets him in. They look around. He's like, where's, where's Mia? Where's Mia? Sarah doesn't know. So they're searching. They're searching. She's not, she's not in the room. They're looking. They're looking. They're looking. And they find her hiding in the bushes. Sarah goes and visits her mother. Sarah didn't get cleaned up or anything. So she's still all dirty and everything. She goes in the clothes that she was in. It's at nighttime. Her mother's asleep. It's after, it's way after visiting hours. And she tells her mother that Alice is dead. Her mother's like, no, I don't believe it. I believe she's alive. And then a staff member makes Sarah leave. Because, again, it's after visiting hours. It's late. Sarah returns home, goes to the room where we see Mia sleeping in bed. And in the corner, Pete is sleeping on a cot. Sarah lies down next to Mia. And she apologizes. And then Mia's like, for what? But it's not Mia anymore. It's Alice. Sarah goes, I'm sorry for hurting you and for telling mom that you ran away. Alice goes, why did you tell her that? Sarah says, because I didn't want her to know what I had done. And Alice says, you're a monster. And Sarah agrees, I'm a monster. It's the next morning. They're still both sleeping in bed and we see the white rabbit watching. And Mia opens her eyes. It's Mia now, not Alice. And she slides out of bed, but it's almost as if she was pulled out of bed so sarah gets up and she's looking around she's looking for mia and she goes to the window in the next room and she sees alice walking with mia towards the cliff and she is banging on the window yelling her name the two girls turn around look at her with no real expressions turn back around and continue walking as she's banging on the door screaming for her daughter Roll credits. Final thoughts. What the heck did I just watch? This movie is a literal slow burn. And teethers between supernatural and psychological. And there are times where you're not sure if it's the mother's mind unraveling. If her sister is truly haunting her. Or both. There are a few jump scares. Alice's demise. The truth behind it is a nice twist. Every time I found myself losing interest during watching, something would happen to grab my attention and then it would kind of go nowhere. You know, a bunch of questions that go unanswered. You wonder if Sarah's dad knew, if her mother knew. I mean, it would explain why, you know, her dad's passing and her daughter turning seven, the age her sister died, would have triggered a breakdown. She was carrying around this guilt for so long. That it weighed on her. And then is her daughter really walking towards her death? Is it in her head? Is it really happening? I guess we'll never know. Do you have more theories about this movie? 
let me know. Leave a comment. Let's talk about it. And if you enjoyed hanging out with me today, please like, subscribe, and hit that bell. Next time, we will do something lighter. I promise. Later!